0: in the Dark. Hey, what's up? It's Mai Yang from Mix in the Dark. Just reminding you that my podcast is available to listen on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Buzzsprout, and YouTube. I also post the stories on the Mix in the Dark Facebook page in case you're the type of person who likes to read scary stories instead of listening to them. You can connect with me through Facebook or email at mixindark@gmail.com. I have a story for you this week. It's personal and recent, so be nice to me. I spoke too soon in my fourth podcast episode when I mentioned that Ling Va experienced paranormal happenings around him after he started his scary storytelling career. Ling is another Hmong scary storyteller, which you can find him on YouTube, by the way. Anyways, I said I was worried that I would start to experience paranormal happenings myself after starting this podcast. It is said that when you surround yourself in negative energies, it attracts spirits. I've been careful though. I only record my podcasts in daylight and I try not to read out loud my stories at night. I guess there's just no escaping from it. Take a listen. Are we taking them home? This story starts at a jamma. A jamma event only happens when someone in your family passes away. It happens starting the day of death for a few weeks or until there is a funeral for the deceased. The objective of a jamma event is for the family members to come together to help prepare for the funeral and keep the house warm with each other's presence. Its location is usually at the house where the deceased person lived before passing. Also, I want to note for context in my story, I wouldn't say that it is a cultural thing to drink alcohol at a jamal, but it has become a thing. Due to the pandemic, my husband's family actually has not seen each other for a long time. This gave them a reason to drink with each other and just hang out. It's very typical of my husband to be drunk at the end of an event like this, so I opted to stay sober so that I can drive us home at the end of the night. It was probably 1 o'clock in the morning when we finally left the house where the Jean Mall was held. We were both exhausted and just wanted to get home. I drove my normal route home. I only lived about 20 minutes on a good day with no traffic. I was probably 10 minutes into my driving when I took our normal exit that we would always take before getting to the street that would take us home. As soon as I took the exit, my husband murmured, Hey, aren't we taking them home? My husband was pretty drunk. When he gets drunk, he often talks in circles and to himself. A little creeped out, I took a quick glance at him, wondering what he would say back. His eyes were closed, but he was still definitely awake. His body was swaying back and forth like he was trying to keep himself from falling asleep. I answered him anyway to make sure he was okay. I said, Take who home? Them, he replied. The hairs on my arms stood with goosebumps. I get scared very easily, but I'm also a very curious individual. I said, Um, you better not be playing with me. There's no one back there. He continues to say, No, no. The people in the back were just talking about getting dropped off. So are we not dropping them off? At this point, the rain started to fall on our windshield, the lightning was beginning to show. I remember thinking, wow, what a way to put me in a creepier situation with real life creepy effects. One thing that did cross my mind was the fear that an actual person might have snuck into our car. I have heard of so many stories of strange people sneaking into cars with their own agenda. I decided to ask him to look in the back to see if he saw anyone. I think he scared himself a bit. He jumped when he saw that no one was sitting in the back seats. Knowing that my husband was a little freaked out scared me even more. I quickly got us home and decided that it was best to get some sleep and ask about it the next morning. The next morning, I asked my husband if he remembered anything at all. He told me that he couldn't remember anything. I explained to him what he said that night when we were driving home. He was a little freaked out, but joked about it, shrugging it off. Throughout the day, I let the situation slip my mind. I convinced myself that it was probably nothing since my husband was drunk, fell asleep, and was probably just mixing reality with his dreams. I mean, we saw a lot of people that day. My husband and I and our younger sister help watch my sister-in-law's two kids Monday through Friday because we work from home due to the pandemic. One of them was 8 years old. The other one was about 11 months old. It was a nice day out, so we decided to take a short hike to the river to do some exploring. We live near the Mississippi River in St. Paul, Minnesota. When we got to the Mississippi River, there was an area where there were lots of little rocks. We stopped there to rest and skip rocks for fun. My little niece, she's the 8-year-old, has a lot of energy. While at the river, she was trying to find a flat, good-sized rock to add to our new pet turtle's home. I noticed her kicking the dirt with her shoes, trying to see if she could dig out flat rocks. I was holding my baby nephew on a baby carrier. He's the 11th month old. I started to walk towards my husband. As I took a step, I felt a clump of dirt hit the back of my legs on my calves. Now, I know that sometimes when you're walking on sand, you can kick dirt on yourself. But we were walking on rocks. I stopped to turn around thinking that it was my little niece, but stopped in my tracks when I realized that everyone we came with was by my husband, who was a good five feet away to my right. I didn't want to creep anyone out, plus it was a nice day, so I shrugged it off and continued making my way towards my family. When we got home, I fed and put our baby nephew to sleep. He usually sleeps in our room and does well by himself. He probably only slept for 30 minutes when all of a sudden you could hear him screaming at the top of his lungs. Now I want to pause and note that my baby nephew is indeed a very needy baby and like all babies do they sometimes cry when they wake up but I have never seen him cry this hard before to the point where he did not want to be anywhere near me and would scream and turn the other way to try to go to someone else. I tried changing his diapers, feeding him a bottle, rocking him, holding him, singing him a song, everything. Seeing that he seemed a little freaked out, I passed him off to my husband. He also tried a few things, nothing seemed to help. It must have been 20 minutes of him crying and shouting until we decided to call my sister-in-law, his mom. My sister-in-law assured us that he probably just didn't get enough sleep and woke up angry. There's a term for this in Hmong, we call this vundandu. I put the phone on speaker so that he could hear his mom's voice, and then I said thanks and hung up. A good 10 minutes passed after the call, we got our baby nephew to finally stop crying. I was texting my sisters about the situation, and they wondered if it had anything to do with the incident that happened the night before with my husband and I in the car. Maybe our baby nephew saw something, since he hasn't cleaned Nia yet. Plenia is a Hmong term that is used for a child. It means that their baby teeth have not fallen out yet. It is a belief in the moon culture that babies or toddlers who have not had their baby teeth fall out yet have the ability to see ghosts and spirits. It has now been three nights in a row where my baby nephew has had his night tears, I would call it. He usually would be just fine right up until that 1 a.m. mark. You would hear him gasp an abnormally huge gust of air into his lungs, let it out quickly, and scream at the top of his lungs. We called our mother-in-law and explained to her that it seemed like he's frightened of something. My mother-in-law said that we should deking. Deking is a moan gesture that you do when you get frightened. Deking literally translates to picking off your shock. At this point... I'm trying to find an explanation for his night terrors and him waking up at 1 a.m. I'm convinced that he probably wakes up at 1 a.m. because his parents sleep pretty late. They stay up together and hang out or play. When my baby nephew is at our place, we try to have him sleep before 10 p.m. and maybe he just wasn't adjusting well. I don't know why I felt so paranoid and creeped out. I have to admit that maybe I was also thinking too much about that car incident and that it skewed or influenced my thoughts. This one particular night, though, I had my baby nephew sleeping in my room. The room was dark and my door happened to be open. My door leads right to the living room, which at the time was also dark. My windows are also big enough where just the streetlights or the moonlight was able to give enough light for me to make out the silhouette of furniture around me so that I could walk in the dark. I was relieved that he finally fell asleep. I laid on the side of him playing on my phone for a second. All of a sudden, he let out a huge shriek, sat up, looked at the door and cried really hard. It freaked me out a little because he would not stop looking at the door and he would not stop screaming. My husband wasn't home yet and there was definitely no one at the door. We spent the rest of the night in the living room with the lights on. It has now been a few days and the funeral was approaching. My father-in-law is a ziqing. Ziqing is a role at the funeral. Their main role is to play a traditional Hmong bamboo instrument that we call to send the dead to their resting place. Hmong funerals usually last a few days, but because we are in this pandemic, they made the funeral just one day. My father-in-law does not live in Minnesota, so he stayed with us for the week of the funeral. I have to admit, with him around, our home felt calm and the air felt clear. He did his duties at the funeral, everything went just fine and it was finally time for him to go back home. Before going back home, we mentioned what happened the night we drove home from the Jean Mall and that our baby nephew kept crying since that day. He is the biggest skeptic of the paranormal, but tied a string on all the household members anyway so that we would feel safe. He tied three strings, a red, white, and green string all representing a red dragon, white dragon, and green dragon to protect us from harm's way. He left for home the next day. Not even two days later, my husband started to talk nonsense again. He had gone out to a friend's place. This time I didn't go with him because, well, I needed to work on my Scary Story podcast and I had a deadline. My phone rang. It was my husband. A little annoyed that he was probably drunk and that I had to go pick him up, I said, What do you need? He let me know that he was coming home and for me to cook him something to eat because he didn't like the food at his friend's place. One of his friends dropped him off 15 minutes later. I prepared some food for him, set the table, and sat with him to make sure that he didn't break any of my dishes. When my husband is drunk, he's super careless and clumsy. He walked over to our kitchen tabletop, put his keys and wallet on it, and started to eat. As he was eating, he talked his usual circles and drunk talk. It was a little past 3 a.m. at this point, and I was tired and a little annoyed that I had to stay up to take care of a drunk. I sat silently and looked at my phone, scrolling through Facebook and emails to keep myself awake while I was waiting for him to finish eating so that we could go to sleep. All of a sudden, he looked at me pointing a finger at me and said, don't get them angry. I asked him, get who angry? Thinking he was just talking about his friends that he just hung out with. He replied, they might just come after me and kill me or you, who knows? He paused and then he went back to his bowl of food. At this point, I'm thinking he's just joking around. Plus, I was tired and didn't really care for what he had to say. A few minutes later, he stopped eating again, looked up and said, You guys talk too much. I look around the room, confused and question him, saying, Okay, dude, it's just me here and I haven't said a single word. I'm just listening to your conversation with yourself. He replied, Yeah, they joke too much. At this point, I'm still thinking that he was just drunk talking. Maybe I'm a bad paranormalist, or I have a stronger spirit, as the older Hmong folks would call it. But I wasn't sensing extra bodies or anything negative in the air, really. For those who may not know what it means to have a stronger spirit, it basically means you're less prone to see or sense ghosts. In the Hmong culture, having a stronger spirit means that your family ghosts are stronger and creating a barrier between you and any bad spirits. It is a belief that each family has household ghosts and they are an equivalent to guardian angels. I looked back at my husband and pushed him to try to finish up eating because I really wanted to go to sleep at this point. He replied, can't. They're making me eat. My family is eating with me. Hearing this spooked me, so I started to text his little sister, who was in her room at the moment. She is usually up at this time, but what an annoying coincidence that she decided to fall asleep early on a night like this. I was alone with a person who thinks he's eating with his family members. I tried not to let that scare me, but that night, we slept with the lamp on. We both slept on the couch in the living room because I wanted to watch TV and get my mind off of things. The next day, I texted my friends about the incident. One of my friends mentioned that she has a friend who sees ghosts and spirits only when she's drunk and can interact with them because that is a time when her mind is most loose. She assured me that nothing can go wrong if I just don't believe in it. My cousin also mentioned to me that Right off the bat, when the first incident of him hearing people in the car that first night happened, I should have not gone home. He explained that it's an old hunter's tale that if you feel you are being followed, go to a place that has a lot of people. The energy of all those people will confuse the entity and it will lose you. I checked in with my husband that morning. He explained that he only remembers getting home and that he had hiccups after eating. He also mentioned that before he left to go to his friend's house, he took a nap and dreamt that he was at a relative's house for a genre. Remember, a genre only happens when someone dies. In his dream, the house was dark. The atmosphere was airy and sad. He was surrounded by family members and wasn't sure what they were talking about, but he remembers them talking about hauntings. In the dream, he explained that it seemed like a haunting was building up and that something big was going to happen. In reality, my husband's uncle is actually very sick and the family is expecting him to go. As I am writing these events, it's starting to feel like his relatives are just visiting him. In the Hmong culture, when this starts to happen to someone, usually one of four things happens. One, the relatives are simply here to visit because they may miss you or are wondering how you are doing. Two, the relatives are here to guide a sick family member into the spiritual world. Three, the relatives are here because they are here to take you. Usually you would get really sick and eventually die of a natural cause. Or four, you are becoming a shaman and your family's ghosts have arrived to teach and guard you. My husband is a family guy and is an outgoing person. Everyone tends to love him and wants to sit by him when they're eating at family gatherings. Usually when his relatives are about to pass away, his already deceased relatives visit him in his dreams. According to the elders, when deceased relatives visit in dreams, they are there to guide and comfort the sick person so that they would not have to go on their journey alone. I'd like to believe that he just has relatives visiting.